0: Radioinfluence.com.
1: Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday.
0: Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Almost, we are almost there to march. It's Three Dog Thursday, and it's the only show devoted exclusively to the underdog, the little guy, and we're exclusive into college basketball. Down the stretch we come as the most important, exciting month of the year in college basketball. And one of the best months, if not the best month in all of sports, is about to be upon us. Our final show of February uh, is taking place right now here as part of this. And look, I can't do this by myself. I've enlisted some great help. As always, senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com. Mr. Kevin Rogers is back in here with me. How you feeling as we're about to put the regular season to bed here over the course of the next 10 days or so, sir?
1: Yeah, we're almost uh, down the stretch with the regular season. Then we'll start up conference tournaments, and uh, we'll be in March. It should be a very exciting month, uh, a lot uh, to figure out, and obviously no clear-cut favorite, I think, which makes it a little little bit more fun. But, uh, yeah, we we, we made it uh, almost to the finish line of the regular season.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been crazy with a lot of the different upsets and big wins from teams. So we're going to be talking about that. Get ready for many, many more. You're going to see, I always say this, at least 10 games and maybe 15 games in the month of March from conference tournament play to NCAA tournament play where you go, how did that happen? How did that team pull the upset? That's what makes this month so great. Uh, By the way, thank you for finding us, however you did so, either through our partners at RadioInfluence.com, if you found us through VegasInsider.com and the great promotional arm that both of those entities go through, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So find us through there. And uh, again, subscribe, because the the latest edition of Three Dog Thursday comes automatically to your device, to your phone, to your iPad, whatever, whenever there's a new one coming out on Thursday to pick those underdogs. Later in the show, from CBSSports.com, love the insight of Jerry Palm. CBS Sports and CBS uh, TV uh, does a great job on the Internet with breaking down the bracket and bracketology. He's going to talk about his top seeds. Right now, his last Four in, his first four out. I'll even uh, put it to Jerry about misconceptions because he's been part of the media mock selection in the past for the NCA selection committee that they do for media members, so we can put to bed some some misconceptions, and we'll let Jerry give some thoughts on the bracket and the stretch run, including Kevin Rogers. It's it's always fascinating when we talk for the little guys. Keep in mind teams like Wofford, like Furman, like Buffalo. Uh, they, are, they are underdog teams. Utah State is another one that have strong resumes and may very well end up in the tournament at large. Uh, it, we love that. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, you want to see the powerhouse names out of the ACC, Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, et cetera, et cetera Big East, Pac-12, but the, the little guy that that's the charm of the tournament, and we got to keep our eyes on some of these different teams and their at large resumes. That's what makes it fun.
1: Well, I'd rather see the top team out of the Southern Conference and the seventh team in the ACC. You know, I mean, I understand that these teams inside conference play if they're you know if they have an average record, uh, you know, they're playing a lot of tough teams. You know, if you have to play Duke several times, or Virginia, North Carolina. But still, you know, I just think that you know we've gotten to a point where what's the point of having 360 teams or whatever it is in Division One basketball if you're only going to if you're only going to showcase you know 50 of them from or 60 of them from these big conferences? What's the right. point? You know, why do these teams even play that if someone has not if they're, they're like. 19-11, and 11, but if someone has a 27-2 and two record, you know, they should be in there assuming they don't win their conference tournament. You know, they should be in there. We've seen a lot of teams that have been one season in their conference tournament. They get tripped up, you know, for whatever reason, and now all of a sudden they have to they're relegated to the NIT and it's like, why? Like, why should this average team from a Power 5 conference, why should they get in? Like, what, what did they do? Why did they need to win three games in three days in their conference tournament to get themselves in when they should have done it earlier?
0: Very true. Alright, we got plenty on the plate here. I want to ask Kevin on a couple different subjects. Uh, we're going to talk some Thursday night underdogs here. We're also going to talk about games coming on Saturday this weekend including the rematch Kentucky at Tennessee and a couple of other big showdowns uh, as well including a rematch for Indiana and Michigan State after Indiana got a double overtime win on Tuesday night with Wisconsin. Michigan State, one of the front runners of the Big Ten, they're rematching so we'll talk about Saturday games later on in the show with Kevin. I uh, want to tell you the Three Dog Thursday is now brought to you in part by LRT Sports. You're going to find out more later on in this show about LRT Sports, but if you are a a high school recruit, or more importantly, you're probably a parent of a high school recruit, or friends and family that know about a high school recruit, great new resource, great new website to help you rate schools, to help you rate coaches, and find out about Uh, schools and places and coaches that you may not know enough about from ratings of other people just like you. LRT Sports is helping cutting through Uh, All of the different madness of recruiting and National Signing Day. So we're going to tell you more about LRT Sports as they're a proud sponsor here on Three Dog Thursday as the show goes on. And we'll interview the CEO, Kirsten Sires, of LRT Sports later on in the program to tell you more about their service and what they do. And they have come aboard as a proud sponsor with March approaching and Signing Day approaching. So stand by for that a little bit later on in the program all right so kevin a couple of subjects before we get into underdogs number one duke took another loss without zion williamson on tuesday night so they sandwiched they had the north carolina loss last week uh, that we talked about on the show where he blew the blew the shoe out injured the other knee Uh, so they lose that game they bounce back they beat syracuse at the carrier dome on the weekend rj barrett phenomenal game with 30 plus points Uh, hit every big shot, they win that game. Now they lose in Blacksburg on Tuesday night. And we talked about how tough their road schedule would be. There was the third uh, of three tough road games that they have had as of late, actually four, with Louisville and Virginia earlier in the month. So Virginia Tech beat them. I guess the question to you: What about the state of Duke? And give me an opinion about Zion trying to come back. We're not doctors; we don't know what the timetable is. But they're obviously a different team without him. But what about what about Duke here at this stage, taking some losses?
1: Well, I just don't. I mean, we don't know what uh, what his condition is, as far as if they're. You know, I understand they're not rushing it back. There's no reason to rush it back right now. They're going to be a high seed in the tournament. That it, you know, there's no reason just to play him. At this point, I mean, if you want to wait another week or two, or wait for the ACC tournament, that's a tune-up. But we just don't know his condition right now, and obviously, it's a huge hit for Duke. Assuming he doesn't come back the rest of the way, they're still going to be a very tough team to knock out in the uh in the NCAA tournament. But you know, again, you know, we talked about it last week that. It's up to him, and you know, it, it's hard for us to say. You know, should he leave and not play again? Should he come back? You know, if this is his only opportunity to maybe win a national championship in college. He's going to obviously go to the NBA next year, but you know, he's on a team that he has an opportunity to do it, and they have a fantastic team. So if he feels like he's right, then he should. But if he's not, and, and the injury is worse than we thought, or then he, he should just sit it out. But you know, for and everybody to make all their proclamations after the injury, he should stay, he should go, he should do like we don't know what the severity is. That's the problem.
0: Well, and the other important point uh here uh, that we made last week on the show as well they've got a chance at the national championship this isn't just a guy playing on a team he is arguably the glue the strongest component on a team that could win the whole thing history making stuff yet another national championship for coach k if they can go and get it and i I think that's part of this too it's part of why you come to duke in the first place uh, to go get this done so I believe, and we'll talk more with Jerry Palm about this too, I believe he is going to try it at the end of the season, they end the regular season at North Carolina. If not, then they play the ACC tournament the next week. I think he's going to try it before the NCAA tournament, depending again, we don't know, on the severity of the knee sprain. Uh, Let's see if he does, and uh, it will be interesting. I'll be talking to Jerry about this, how the committee looks at them. They should win. Uh, Kevin, against Miami this weekend, I know you're down in South Florida and around the Miami basketball program, they've really struggled. They should be able to win with Miami and Wake Forest. Those are two easy games, whether Zion Williamson plays or not. The question now becomes, how do they do in the Carolina rematch on the road without him? If that's another loss, hypothetically, and Zion Williamson doesn't play, does that completely cost them a number one seed? Will the committee look at it and say, well, you lost three of the games, basically 30 seconds in one of them, two full ones other than that? Without him, do they get judged differently? We'll find out if the time comes. But I think he might very well play in that game. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, Kevin. I don't know about you, but it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to play in that Carolina road game in about ten days here to end the regular season.
1: Miami and Wake Forest are obviously layups for for Duke, so I don't see him coming back for for those two games. But for North Carolina at the end, you know, again, is it that important from the standpoint of? Needing him to win the ACC, potentially, you know, with uh, with North Carolina pulling ahead of them and Duke losing that game, Virginia Tech has, has dropped them back a bit, and uh, it doesn't look like Virginia will probably lose again the rest of the way. So Duke could end up in the three seed when this is all said and done. So you know, are you risking seeding for his future? Right. And again, it's just it's just a very tough thing where we don't know what his condition is. We don't know if they have a plan already to bring him back against North Carolina or to wait for the ACC tournament or to say he's done. And that's where you, know, you don't know what Krzyzewski's thinking in this whole thing. So it's just so hard to predict that just because we just don't know where he's at.
0: And a quick reminder that Three Dog Thursday is being brought to you in part by Free Throw Awareness Month. We want you to go on Twitter, on social media to the hashtag FT Awareness Month to find out more about the college teams trying to make those free throws. Who does it well? who doesn't do it so well, and we've got merchandise, we've got giveaways for Free Throw Awareness Month. You can go to the website via teepublic.com, T-E-E, teepublic.com, and check out the Free Throw Awareness shirts, the hashtag Free Throw Awareness. Friends don't let friends miss front ends for Free Throw Awareness Month. Uh, Again, it is approaching here for March and the conference tournaments and also the NCAA tournament. Whoever shoots those foul shots well is going to be in good shape. So, again, the hashtag FT Awareness Month. Check it out. Giveaways in your school's colors, too. You can purchase these at tpublic.com. The hashtag FT Awareness Month will have more. They are proud sponsors, obviously, of what we're doing here on 3Dog Thursday. All right, one more before we get to the predictions of Thursday games for Three Dog Thursday. Uh, strongest conference right now. On paper, the mathematics, the metrics uh, would be saying the Big Ten conference is the strongest one. To you, give me the top one and why. Is it the ACC? Is it maybe the SEC that might be the deepest uh, out of these who's got the strong we, we know it's not the Pac-12 stop it if you I mean the Pac-12 is going to be lucky if they get more than one NCAA tournament team uh it's probably not the Big East that's top heavy that's got two or three teams out of the 10 but out of those three ACC Big Ten SEC uh, what's Kevin Rogers' take on the strongest conference right now in college basketball
1: sort of bad year for the Pac-12 right we're talking about Washington and football and basketball and ruling the conference no one else can do anything in that conference <laughs> in, in these sports but uh I got to think it's still the ACC, and, and I'm not saying that from a biased standpoint. You know, when you look at Duke with or without Zion, North Carolina, Virginia, and I think Virginia will go further this year just because they got a, a, a terrible draw last year. It's unfortunate draw against UMBC, and they played the worst game they've ever played. I think Virginia will go a little further uh, this season. And then when you look at, you know, Florida State's played well. Syracuse is still very good that. You have a lot of teams. I mean, NC State's in the mix there. Louisville, even though they haven't been great of late. Virginia Tech is also, obviously, I'm beating Duke. So you have a lot of those teams. We're in the Big Ten. When you get past Michigan State, Michigan, Purdue, Wisconsin, Maryland, there's not a lot of great teams in that conference past those. And, you know, we've seen the stumbles of some of these teams where Michigan State had some issues, where Michigan. They're four and three. The uh, the last seven going into the Nebraska game on Thursday, so they have not been exactly sharp. And Purdue needed a last second tip into Indiana, Nebraska as well. So, I mean, the Big Ten; those are still very good teams. But I say from a deep standpoint, it's gotta be the ACC.
0: Like that. And yes, uh, the Big Ten's always rugged. Seems like there's always a Big Ten team and an ACC team in the Final Four, which is in Big Ten country this year, by the way, in Minneapolis. So uh, we'll keep our eyeballs on all of that. Again, that's the voice of Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. It is Three Dog Thursday. Let's get into some underdogs. Again, we're looking for teams simply to cover. Maybe they will outright win. We've got to be better than last week. We were 0 for on last Thursday night, taking some lumps out west. Let's see if you and I can be better at least this week for the audience because up until last week, we've been very good. We had had uh, five of the previous six weeks where we had gotten at least one and some of those weeks where we had gotten two or more of the th- Thursday night underdogs correct. So last week was kind of an aberration. Where do you want to begin with a Thursday night underdog in college basketball, Kevin?
1: I'm going to go with the Pac-12, and I'm going to take Washington State. They are at Stanford. They're going to the Bay Area this weekend. And a couple things on this one. Stanford won at Washington State as a short underdog earlier conference play. And I'm just kind of going by numbers here that this is the first time Washington State is listed as a single-digit underdog on the road in Pac-12 play. And they covered... and and won outright at Arizona State and Arizona, kind of shocking results uh, earlier in February. But when I look at Stanford, they haven't laid more than three at home in Pac-12 play, and now they're jumped all the way to eight in this one. And Stanford's obviously been uh, better than people expected inside the Pac-12. Washington State's obviously one one of the doormats of the conference. But I just look at this from a number standpoint that I'm not going to call it – I mean, it is a revenge game in a sense. But Stanford took care of them the first time. Now they're you know a little more – got a little more respect, land a little bit more in this one. I, I just think that here, Washington State, who has hung around on the road and now it, they're getting fewer points than they've had Uh, impact 12 play. I'm going to take a shot with Washington
0: State. Interesting, and Wazoo had that sweep of the Arizona teams back a couple of weeks ago on the road. Impressive. Ernie Kent, remember the old Oregon coach who's been around some in college basketball? He's at Wazoo in the Palooza Let's see if they can uh, if they can get it done against that Stanford team. And, boy, um, it, it, it's very interesting. Some some programs that could have some job openings. Stanford might be one. The academic schools. Uh, another one could be Vanderbilt with an opening, uh, as bad as they are in the SEC. Uh, it's that time of year to start looking at where are the coaching uh, openings and where will the coaching carousel begin. Stanford might be part of that. All right, so you take a Pac-12 underdog. I'm going to have a Pac-12 underdog as well. I like the USC Trojans for a couple of reasons. One, Andy Enfield's team uh, has had a solid season. uh, And two, they burned me last week. I went against them with the Oregon Ducks on uh, on Three Dog Thursday at the Galen Center in Los Angeles. And USC played fantastic in that game. Again, you're struggling to find, is there a second Pac-12 team that is going to be worthy of of uh, of ncaa tournament consideration I'm, I'm not saying that it is uh the the usc trojans here at this point but I, I like the fact that they upset uh ucla earlier in the year or they beat ucla by double figures this is a rematch at Pauley pavilion and usc getting three points uh here in this one i'll take the trojans head to head the bruins already with an interim coach in murray bartow So give me USC. I know the three is for the home floor for UCLA. I'll take USC in the Battle of LA, the Crosstown Showdown, as they call it in football. I'll I'll take the Trojans here to get a late Pac-12 regular season win. Uh, I'll go with USC. And, you know, we're going to talk about this with Jerry Palm. Uh, Washington has snuck into the top 25, but Kevin... Just a quick comment from you. It's very possible here that if Washington keeps winning and wins the Pac-12 tournament, you may be looking at only one team out of that Power Six basketball conference, because I include the Big East, that ends up getting a bid. It may only be Washington if they win out. The Pac-12 may have to hope that somebody else gets the at-large bid, or they're only going to have one team go to the big dance.
1: And the only other team that's got a shot is Arizona State, and they're in second place in the conference, and, and they've had a couple questionable losses which is going to hurt them, but they also have a good non-conference winning against Kansas at home, even though we know Kansas has not been a great road team at all this season. I will say one thing about the Pac-12, that Colorado has played better after a slow start. I mentioned Stanford, too. We know Cal hasn't won a game yet, and they've been terrible, and Washington State's at the bottom, and Oregon, uh, they, they've underachieved this year. But a couple of those other teams have, have shown a, a little bit more I, I mean, a little more res, respect. I, I don't know what it is, but but some of those teams, Colorado, had been a terrible road team. They have some nice wins on the road in Pac-12 play, and, and you mentioned USC and UCLA that they they're trying to just get above uh, or, or at least stay above the 500 mark in Pac-12 play. And Arizona had a terrible run, so yeah, it's been a down year for them, and and just hope that. Maybe they can get uh, two teams after the conference tournament champion.
0: Yeah, Arizona's been so bad. We see the news that Sean Miller's going to get subpoenaed in the federal Adidas investigation case by the feds on college recruiting. Uh, And and again, that USC team, they're not NCAA tournament worthy. Uh, Andy Enfield's now been there a few years as he may be in jeopardy. Yes, they have a winning record uh but, but we'll see uh again they're 86 in the net they could they could do well for themselves by winning a couple of games here at the end to help him solidify his job they play at ucla then they play at utah and at colorado thank you schedule maker for closing out three straight on the road of the pac-12 for usc but i like them for three dog thursday all right your other thursday night underdog for right now kevin rogers who do you like and why
1: we go to Conference USA, the bonus play, and people don't know how Conference USA, how they've changed things, but I think it's actually kind of a, a progressive idea is they cut the regular season schedule uh, before last week, and they're separating it into three pods, one through five, six through ten, and 11 through 14, to help the teams at the top get better scheduling ratings or, or whatever strength of schedule to play the better teams in the conference late to get an extra team into the NCAA tournament. It's pretty smart. So they kind of like, you know, redid the schedule or made a new schedule for the final four games of the season. Yep. And it started last week. And uh, this week I'm looking at Marshall. They are going to Louisiana tech and Louisiana tech. They are undefeated at home this year. I believe it's 15 and 0. They rallied past North Texas last week. They were down at the half, and I think, by 14, and they had a huge second half to beat them. And now Marshall is getting eight. The last time these teams played at Louisiana Tech, Louisiana Tech beat them in overtime, laying four. Now they're laying uh, seven, eight in this game. I think it's seven now. And uh, Marshall has failed to cover in in ten straight games. So they've been terrible from that standpoint. They've lost five straight road games. I just look at it that they hung the first time, now they're getting more points the second time, and after Louisiana Tech rallied past North Texas, that this could be a spot where they get tripped up against, uh, obviously, a very good offensive team in Marshall. Not great defensively, but uh, at least a a good offensive team. We'll see if Marshall can get the split with Louisiana Tech.
0: And I love that idea uh, because the Sun Belt is also putting this into practice, too, because, again, to... Uh, underscore the point that you're making that at the end of the season you want these teams to play an extra game against a really good team in the conference if you're at the top and so everybody understands this going in that essentially there's two different seasons in terms of the regular season standings they had a cutoff point last week and now the upper echelon are going to play each other that's more for who it's for uh, to help their strength of schedule and to help their resumes and get attention before the conference tournament they may end up playing each other in the conference tournament for a fourth time anyway but now you're ensuring that with these games at the end of the regular season so it is it is a, a great out-of-the- box thinking and one of the guys that was suggesting that love and we need to get him on this podcast uh, is Mark Adams the ESPN bat- basketball analyst former coach at Central Connecticut State uh, he he works a lot of these conference games for ESPN and he he sat with both Uh, the Conference USA and their Commissioner Judy McLeod and the Sun Belt and their Commissioner uh, Carl Benson and and sat with their athletic directors and sat with their coaches and said this is a way for you to help yourselves through scheduling at the end control what you can control not just scheduling uh, the best games for the regular season at the end with the projected top two teams but schedule an extra game against who's earned it at the end through one through four so hopefully that's making sense again in Both of these conferences, they're taking the 1-4 through team in late February, and they're saying you guys are going to play each other the last couple of weeks of the season a couple of times, and that's going to help your strength of schedule. So again, good on the Sun Belt, good on Conference USA for trying it. All right, so Marshall... Uh, at home with Louisiana Tech is going to be your other underdog getting the seven points in that rematch game I will go Horizon League and again full disclosure I will be on the call of the Horizon League semifinals and championship game coming on tune in in Detroit this is the conference again where Wright State out of Dayton Ohio is the defending champ you've got uh, UIC Illinois Chicago you've got Oakland University Um, on and on the Green Bay Phoenix uh, different uh, different programs that are in here in the mix, Milwaukee, um, on and on down the list uh, with, with some of these different programs, Youngstown State that are in the conference. So this is Green Bay, not the Packers, the Phoenix, the Green Bay Phoenix that will take on Wright State coming on Thursday night. Wright State right now leading the Horizon League. Again, they've got an NBA caliber player, a big man, 6'8", big body and loud and love. But Green Bay is good as well, and I, I really like the opportunity, the spot for them here at home. They they had a huge win against Illinois-Chicago uh, back last week on the midweek, came from behind to beat UIC on the road. Then Green Bay goes and stumbles right after that and loses the next game against uh, IUPUI, Ui Pui, uh, Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, who's in the league. So they they lost that one in the two-game road swing. But uh, before that, they had won three in a row. I like them coming back home. I know Wright State won the first meeting, but I am going to take Green Bay and the four points at home for the Phoenix. Link Darner is the coach of Green Bay, a former Division II national champion. Uh, Kevin, we're familiar with the Florida Southern Division II basketball program. They won a national championship with Link Darner as their head coach. He's been now with the Phoenix for three seasons. I'll take Green Bay against Wright State as my second underdog coming on Thursday evening. Kevin, stand by. We've got more on the way. We're talking lots and lots of brackets. Who's in, who's out with Jerry Palm of CBS Sports. Kevin is back with me a little bit later on in the show, talking Saturday college basketball. Won't be long now for March Madness. Stay with us here as part of Three Dog Thursday. Yes, I have been looking forward. It is almost March, and that is a, a great month, but uh, probably the month. I enjoy it so thoroughly, and so too does this man. I've been bothering him and bothering him and bothering him, going all the way back to the mid-1990s, when Jerry Palm first started putting on the computers uh, the RPI, uh, his ranking, and how he had figured out the mysterious formula And now look at you, you multi-platform star from CBSSports.com and CBS TV. Jerry Palm breaks down the bracket for them, breaks down the methodology behind some of the strength of schedule and comparing the teams. I love all of the insight. I love the Palm reader on the website where you can compare your team to the other teams on CBSSports.com and what their resume is. Here he is. He's Jerry Palm. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us.
1: Always glad to do it. How
0: are you doing, DJ? I I am doing well. We're getting to that time. We're now within a couple of weeks of Selection Sunday. Let's dive right in because everybody's got their opinion. And again, I weight yours more heavily. I'm like your agent here on this segment. Just because you've been doing it longer. I mean, I know Lenardi has the biggest platform on ESPN. You have equally as big. And it seems like everybody and their brother... Has a, has a bracket and has projections. Uh, so let's dive right into what you have here at the moment. And in terms of one seeds and two seeds, most everybody kind of has the same thing, but I'll, I'll go over yours. Duke, Kentucky, Virginia, Gonzaga at the top as your one seeds. Two seeds, North Carolina, Michigan, Tennessee, Michigan State, two Big Ten teams. Again, this is subject to change over the next couple of weeks, but those are your top seeds. Uh, in terms of your one seeds, what distinguishes right now, let's say, like a Virginia, like a Kentucky in front of a Tennessee who was number one earlier in the year, or maybe a North Carolina? Uh for example, uh North Carolina beat Duke recently. What what distinguishes right now in your mind Kentucky, Virginia uh up as number 1 seeds?
1: Well, it's really just the it's it's not just one thing, but all of these teams have a high number of quality wins. A little bit less so for Gonzaga because of the league they play in. Uh and Tennessee uh surprisingly, but uh everybody else, you know, in terms of like quadrant 1 wins, those are the best uh what the committee considers your best opponents have got, you know, six, seven, eight, you know, pretty good wins. And there's been a lot of interplay among these teams already. and There's more to come, uh, which has been, has made it kind of interesting. And then you've got, you know, Duke uh, playing shorthanded at the moment, uh, at least until Zion comes back, which he is expected back. Uh, But they're suffering a little bit for that and the compressed schedule, having to play three games in seven days. But, It's, uh, you know, Virginia, uh, Gonzaga, uh, Duke, and Kentucky have got a pretty good number of quality wins, and they don't have as many losses. I mean, North Carolina's got a lot of quality wins. They have five losses. So, you know, that's, Tennessee's got four losses now. Uh, So, it's, uh, you know, these numbers are starting to pile up. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, I mean, Michigan State loses to Indiana and Illinois, Indiana at home, which... I watched that game, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So, you know, the, the two seeds have just got something about them that's a little bit off from the teams that are one seeds now, but there's still a bunch of games left to be played among this group of teams, so it could still change
0: no doubt about that in terms of Duke because at the time we're talking they come off the loss to Virginia Tech and it's been interesting in three games without Zion Williamson I know he played 30 seconds of the of the North Carolina game a week ago but he basically didn't play in that game they lose they lose badly at home they win at Syracuse who I think everybody including you we all we all agree they're a tournament team they won at Syracuse at the carrier Dome now they lose at Virginia Tech take us inside how you take a look at Duke for however long Zion Williamson's out and how that could affect one seed two seed for the games he missed and their record in those games jerry what do you think
1: yeah and uh, by the way i misspoke Tennessee has three losses not four um, so the committee you know they can't ignore the game they can't pretend it wasn't played uh they can't assume that duke would have won losses are losses they're on your resume you lost the game you lost the game so you know, for Duke, I mean, the injuries, and this is not just Duke, it's everybody. Injuries provide a little bit of context about what's going on with that team at the time. And, and uh, the committee weighs a little bit more heavily the roster you're taking into the tournament and how you perform with that roster versus whatever else happened during the season, good, bad, or indifferent. So, uh, but Duke is now up to four losses. Uh, really, none of them are all that bad. The home Syracuse loss being the worst. Uh, they've only lost one game in full strength all year. That's to Gonzaga in, in Hawaii. So this is still a really good team, a pretty good resume. But if they continue to slide, they could slide off that top of the bracket. Now, you know, then they get healthy, and all of a sudden they look like Duke again. You know, maybe they climb back up. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. It depends on what all these other teams do. But healthy Duke. I think we feel it's the best team in the country. We just haven't seen it for the last week or so.
0: Good point on that. And obviously, they get a little softer part of the schedule. They should be able to beat, should, could, would, should be able to beat Miami and Wake Forest easily. Then the rematch with North Carolina at North Carolina All right, let's have some fun conjecture speculation it's a rivalry game he basically didn't get to play in the first game we don't know the medical situation but we believe he's going to try to play at some point in March might we see him for the rematch against Carolina particularly if top seed in the ACC tournaments on the line do you think they maybe wait another week this is speculation and try him in the tournament in the ACC tournament or or will he try to play maybe a game before the ACC tournament? What's your speculation with a couple of weeks to go?
1: As soon as he's healthy enough to play, he'll play. I don't think they're going to hold him or save him for anything. As soon as he's healthy enough to play, he'll play. And they said he was day to day when he got hurt. Uh, unfortunate part of the schedule for them, though, that they had you know three games in seven days. So you know, even if he misses a week, I mean, it's just there's three games there that he right. missed. Now they have a little bit of a break before. Uh, the Miami game, I think is next this weekend. So, you know, maybe he'll, you know, be back for that. That'd be a week and a half off of, uh, off of, uh gameplay, at least for the knee. And I assume as soon as he can go back to practice, he'll go back to practice and then he'll start playing. But, uh, they're not going to save him for anything. There's no strategy to it. As soon as he's healthy, he's going to play.
0: Well, And we should point out, too, as a reference point uh, for for those that are are saying, well, wait a minute, he should never put." We talked about this on this podcast last week. He should never play another second of college basketball and should just go to the NBA. I I heard the uh from you in the background. Kyrie Irving was hurt the entire year as the presumptive number one overall pick with a toe injury at Duke. And he, he had surgery, he rehabbed, and he came back and played at the very end in March in the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament for them because he understood these are my teammates this is Duke we have a chance to win the national championship there's different standards it's the same thing with Zion Williams and you can see it you could see how engaged he was in the game with Virginia Tech Tuesday night how engaged he was Saturday night for the win at the Carrier Dome he wants to be back out there to help them win Jerry I don't think I can emphasize that enough and it sounds like to me just by your reaction you agree with me he wants to try to play if he's healthy enough to play
1: yeah yeah I mean, that's all indications are he's enjoying playing college basketball. If that's what he wants to do, he should do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell him how to manage his injury. I'm not gonna tell him what he should want to do. He should just do what he wants to do.
0: And clearly, uh, they are a different club without him. And that's it's watch out on that front. All right, some fun ones as we talk right now. Subject to change, and this always does. Your last four in are Seton Hall, UCF. Alabama and Utah State you have them in the first four in Dayton playing each other Alabama Utah State Seton Hall uh, UCF of those four teams right now I love I love uh, picking and choosing who's on the least steady ground right now in your mind with again two weeks to go of winning and losing out of those four who do you have as 68th let's say
1: well the last team I had is Utah State Although, if I had to pick one on the least steady ground, it's it's Central Florida because of the schedule they have left. Yep. It, yep. It, they've got to play three out of four on the road. The home game is Cincinnati, which is a, a pretty good team. Uh, the three road games are all teams in the top half of their standings in that league. So, they could be underdogs in all four of those games, and they can't afford to lose all four of those games. So, UCF, just because of their schedule, is on the shakiest footing. Uh, Utah State, of course, has a great opportunity Saturday uh, with Nevada coming in. Uh, and, uh, and and I think Utah State, if they can beat Nevada and avoid a bad loss as, a, as an at-large team, uh, probably out of the first four even. So, you know, it's a, a big opportunity for them. Alabama's got some chances left. Seton Hall's got some chances left. But UCF's schedule is, uh, is pretty brutal down the stretch of the season.
0: Again, Jerry Palm with me, CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. You'll see Jerry all over their coverage of the NCAA tournament, the selection process down the stretch here of the season. You can read him and and, uh, check out the Bracketology blog on CBSSports.com for the latest here. Okay, I love the little guy. We love the little guy as part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Two of the little guys in particular are in the same conference, the Southern Conference, Wofford and Furman. Uh, and Furman was a darling in the in the pre-conference schedule with a couple of upsets. But uh, it, it, right now, Wofford undefeated, 16-0 and with two to go. Is it fair to say that both of those have at-large cases? They're both in the top 30 of the net, the new net ranking the NCAA is using. Could we see the Southern Conference get the automatic bid team, let's say one of those two, and the other team as well maybe gets in at-large? What do you project? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's possible.
1: Uh, if Wofford. Uh, finishes up this weekend and wins the, the two games they have left, they're both on the road, then and finishes 18-0, and 0, then I think they're an at-large team uh, pretty much regardless. Uh, Furman is a, a little bit shakier. They've got the win at Villanova, though, and that's that's huge. Uh, their overall of schedule is not very good, but Furman, first of all, has to win again uh, into the conference tournament. Uh, and if they, if they could beat Wofford, especially like in a semifinal, which they could be bracketed that way, if they can be Wofford in a semifinal and then lose the final, I think Furman might have a pretty good shot too. But this league is unique and that they've got four teams in the top 100 of the net, which is something you don't see smaller conferences like the Southern happen. You might see two, but four is a lot. And But it helps because it means that some of the losses that those top four teams have taken to each other aren't really hurting them as much. And, and Furman is one of those teams. They haven't lost to Sanford at home. That's a bad one. But uh, – You know, they they can't afford anything else like that. But if Furman can make a bit of a run here, and especially if they can knock off Wofford in the conference tournament before the final if they bracket it that way, uh, that would be a good case for them to get an at-large bid as well.
0: Okay, we also have the Buffalo Bulls. No, not the Buffalo Bills of the NFL. The Buffalo Bulls of college basketball in the Mid-America Conference. Very strong resume. 16 at the net at what I'm looking at here. Uh, Number 9 in the RPI uh, strength of schedule is strong at 73 they've got 24 wins it's fair to say they're an at-large team so if you're keeping an eye on a conference tournament on championship weekend if buffalo doesn't win the mid-america conference tournament they're probably going to be a two-bid league because they they've got to be an at-large team is that fair real quick jerry
1: yes yeah absolutely um buffalo uh is the middle of the bracket team to me right now that's a team that won a game in the tournament last year not that that matters for selection or seeding this year but uh, just something to watch out for when you're filling out your bracket, that, uh, that the team brought a lot of guys back from a team that won a game last year. So, you know, they're a pretty good team. They've shown it all season long, really, other than the loss at Northern Illinois. Uh, pretty solid season all around, one at Syracuse. So, yeah, Buffalo is, a, is an at-large team. I don't think, you know, there's any question about that as long as they don't, you know, take here at the end.
0: And we mentioned uh, out West, you mentioned Utah State. We mentioned Nevada and also San Diego State's kind of in that mix with a couple of upsets they pulled. But then again, Utah State beat San Diego State earlier in the week. San Diego State's not even the top 100 of the net. Still, somebody could be dangerous and get the automatic bid. Nevada is firmly in, right? So the question now becomes, is it a two-bid league? If somebody pulls the upset besides Nevada, could the Mountain West get three not likely with Utah State as the other at large team. It's it's more than likely a two bid at the most league, the Mountain West?
1: I would say most likely. If Utah State would have to beat Nevada Saturday and then win out deep into the tournament, don't take a bad loss to you know, and there's teams that you know, Fresno beats them, that's not so bad, San Diego beats them, it's not so bad. Um, but you know, if they can't lose to you know the like force, you know, this tournament. And uh and then Utah State could be in as an at large. Nevada's definitely in as an at large. And you could have a third team, maybe uh might sneak up there and, and steal a bid. That's that is possible, but the most likely scenario is Nevada and uh the winner of the conference tournament, if it's not Nevada,
0: how about that? And how wild would it be? And we never know. Two weeks to go here. If the Mountain West somehow got three teams, and the Pac-12, let's say Washington wins all the way out and gets the automatic bid, and they're the only Pac-12 team out west, that would be wild. Yeah,
1: that, that seems unlikely, though. I right? mean, Arizona State is Arizona State has got three of the Pac-12's total of five non-conference quadrant one wins, and that's why they've got a shot. Now they have got some stupid losses at home, mm-hmm. too, which is why they're near the bottom of the bracket. But if they don't take another stupid loss, Arizona State's going to be an at-large
0: team. Interesting. So this is
1: probably a 2 bid league.
0: Probably, but subject to change. Okay, couple more for Jerry Palm, because I know you love the process. I'm giving you the platform here on Three Dog Thursday. There are misconceptions out there, and you've been part of the mock selection that they do with the media to educate them in that committee room. They've done that for years. They've done that again here recently where people talk about it. Give me a misconception or two about what that committee, being chaired by Bernard Muir, who's the athletic director at Stanford, this year's committee, 2019 committee. couple of misconceptions that the public, the media, whomever have, one or two that you want to clear up right now. I, I love giving you the floor. Go ahead.
1: Well, I would say the first one is uh, that your conference record is meaningful. It is not. It's not even on the team sheet. They do not care, even a little, how you finish in your conference, what your conference record is, where you are in the conference standing, how you relate to other teams in your conference in the standing. They don't care. Uh, none of that is – They don't. they don't spend a second looking at it. You're judged on your entire season – and your conference, you know, or your performance in your league is gonna end up being about sixty to sixty five percent of what you did, you know, throughout the course of the season, but they're looking at it as a whole. They're not they're not your conference performance separately means absolutely nothing. And then I would say the second thing is metrics, you know, like the net itself, uh Ken Pom, KPI, whatever you like. Do not are, are not nearly as important as people make them out to be. I mean, they're on the team sheets, and then they, you know, each committee member kind of has a different view. Some look at them, and and uh, like to consider them. And you actually, they they tend to look at to see where anomalies might be and why those are, are where they are. Uh, but we've seen Wichita State, for example, a team in the top ten of Ken Palm, end up at ten feet. So if all you've got is metrics, you don't really have anything. And uh, and the net, especially, is not a decisive tool, just like the RPI was. not It's not intended to be that way. They're not going to use the net or any single metric or even any collection of metrics to make seeding decisions. It's really going to be based on the resumes.
0: And most importantly, what you're saying without saying it is it's a subjective process you have human beings that are sitting there debating the merit of this team versus other teams around them about who should be seated or who should be in and ultimately it's a vote it's not, it's not right. computers yeah. it's a vote that's important to yeah. emphasize that
1: right yeah and it's uh, I mean there's a lot of effective data available to them and they've created you know a, a, you know sort of the, the collective kinds of things that they're looking for, but every you know committee member has their own biases some might you know be more biased towards how you do on the road some might be more biased towards quality wins versus bad losses and you know but all of those things are available to them and uh and but it is a subjective process It's just guided by objective data.
0: Very true. Jerry Palm with me. Another moment or two, cbssports.com, CBS TV, and around the selection show. I was giving him a thumbs-up, as many were, when I saw him the last couple of years on the actual selection show as they roll it out, talking about uh, the brackets and the bracketology. Uh, Love the insight. Okay, fun one for you. If you could wave a magic wand here and say, this should be more emphasized by committees, or this should be bigger, more included, is there something that... Uh, I just wonder: Is there something that we should be paying more attention to to give teams more credibility, more legitimacy as tournament teams that maybe isn't emphasized enough? What would it be in a perfect world for Jerry?
1: Well, I mean, if I was a committee member, I would probably have my my own personal bias, was I would favor teams that show that they can win away from home. Now, you probably aren't going to find thirty-six that large team where everybody's got a quality win away from home. I mean, the teams at the bottom of the bracket are missing something, and oftentimes that is what they're missing. Uh, But that's what I want to see. The tournament's not played on your home court. It's nice that you can beat some teams at home. I want to see what you can do away from home. And the teams that can't perform off their home floor, I would have a little bit less regard for as a committee member. Uh, But, you know, the committee, I mean, they've built some things into the net and things like that. You know, Holman Road, the quadrants have a Holman Road aspect to it. So they are trying to take more of that into account, and the coaches have asked them to do that. So that is being done, but still individual committee members may feel differently about it.
0: Well, and on that point, uh, just to uh, elaborate on it, the coaches, the athletic directors from the schools that are going to get left out, uh, don't uh, look. This is this is one of those things where I clear up this misconception. Don't fall for. They don't know why they didn't get in. They all understand what the criteria is. Go schedule people right, Jerry, out of the conference. Play a tough schedule. Go beat the better teams on your schedule, out of conference or in your conference. Because again, the first two things that are being looked at as, as uh, consistent. Uh, policies and standards who did you play how tough is your schedule and who did you win against those are the first two things they want to know there are other considerations but you can't sit on selection Sunday night left out and act like you don't know that those are the two biggest criteria go play people especially out of the conference and who did you beat who did you beat out of your schedule that are the best teams and I know that's what you've been saying too
1: yeah, well, and if you ask the committee, I mean, they're trying to answer three questions, you know, about each of these teams to try and determine who to select. It's who would you play, where would you play, and how would you do? Yep. You know, that's that's basically it. We're, we're asking, answering those three questions. And, um, you know, we've seen teams left out because of, they didn't play a good enough non-conference schedule. That could be North Carolina State this year, the second worst non-conference schedule of anybody in Division I. Um, you know, we've seen teams that, that load up on home games he's not usually impressed so you know we'll see how some of these teams fare it's kind of a soft bubble this year I mean it's I usually think the bubble looks the same just about every year there was one year a few years ago where it was a a disaster and this year's looking really bad too still a couple of weeks for these teams to clean that up uh but uh I would think we might see some teams this year with something significantly negative about them that in past years might not have gotten them in this tournament.
0: Very good stuff, and again, we need multiple eyeballs, multiple TVs. As I often like to joke every year at this time, I almost need an IV of wires right out of the TVs into a vein, Jerry Palm, to keep up with all this. I look forward to watching more, to reading more with you on CBSSports.com. Good luck with all the bracketology, the bubble talk, and I may be back with you down the road uh, again, too, as we get around uh, Selection Sunday, but thank you for the time here, sir. All right, thanks. As we do continue along, I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor and resource. In particular, if you are a high school athlete seeking where to go to play sports in college, or if you are a parent uh, or a relative or a friend of a high school athlete that is seeking, we've got a great resource website that is out there for you right now, LRT Sports, and their website is lrt-sports.com. The CEO and the founder is Kirsten Syres, who is with me right now. Great to have you, great to get to meet you, and great to get to tell those that are listening to us more about LRT Sports. Sports. How are you?
2: I'm great. How are you? I'm so excited to be here.
0: Uh, Yes, and we're excited to tell them more about what's going on. All right. So the obvious first question is, tell me more about the site and why you and everybody involved with it wanted to have essentially a high school resource site for prospective athletes. How did this all come about, Kirsten?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the website is basically started and run by all former student-athletes, so everybody that's involved feels super passionately about helping high school athletes go through the recruiting process and also educating high school athletes, parents, coaches, and even college athletes on what it's like to go through the recruiting process, maybe the transfer process, or even what it's like to be a college athlete and what you need to do to prepare once you finalize that next step of knowing that you're going to be a college athlete.
0: And so, so many times there's so much information, Kirsten, and I know you're going to smile even though I can't see you right now. It's almost too much information that's out there. And part of the challenge is cutting through that and finding what's best, uh, you know, if I'm a parent for my high school athlete or if you're an athlete, what, how do I distinguish school A's coach from school B's coach and so on and so on. And so that's that is something that you're trying to assist with in an efficient way here with what you're doing, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. So we allow uh, current and former college athletes to rate their coaches in order for the next generation to stay more informed on what their coach was like um, throughout all their four years of being an athlete with them. And really understanding how knowledgeable they are, how cool they are, uh, and you know how they are as an overall coach in general and how those players relate to them.
0: All right, again, LRT Sports is what we're talking about here. Uh, In particular, if you've got a prospective high school athlete coming up, we've got National Signing Day that will be coming up in April. And as you mentioned, you're a former athlete, and a lot of the employees, if not most of them or all of them, are former college athletes. What was it like in and around signing day, and what is this What is this like right now for those anticipating signing a national letter of intent in any sport? I mean, we pay the most attention to the biggest ones, football and basketball, but whether you're talking about baseball, volleyball, softball, swimming, whatever it is with scholarships, what is that like? Because you've recently been through all of that, and you're trying to help athletes with it. What is it like?
2: Yeah, it's an exciting time for anybody going through the process, and I think that you know, you get your nerves and your excitement up and you're all ready to go. But my biggest piece of advice is to keep your eyes on the prize and keep working hard, because once you sign that national letter of intent, you still have to go to the school and step on that field or court or whatever sport that you're playing. So you need to work just as hard over the next couple months once you sign that national letter of intent.
0: Voice of Kirsten Sires with me here as we're talking about LRT Sports. I love the slogan as it's about to be bracket time bust a bracket, not your recruiting process. And LRT Sports is trying to help you with that uh, right now as you analyze uh where you might be headed and again I can't emphasize enough you you may not be the athlete here. You may be listening, but you might be friends with a family that has one. You might be parents and saying, okay, wait a minute, I got a high schooler and I wanna know about uh scholarship opportunities or I wanna know at this school what what kind of rating does this coach have. Again, let's talk about something else. This is very interesting uh, because you guys have a blog called The Huddle. And to prove the diversity of different sports and different levels, you have written recently on that blog about a Division Three school in Pennsylvania that has really uh, been a quality basketball program for years. And their coach at Misericordia College is Willie Chandler and he's talking about the success of his D3 program, his D3 athletes. Not everybody's going to go Division One. Not everybody's going to go to the biggest schools, but uh, this is a great insight into that program and Division Three. Kirsten, tell me more about these opportunities for athletes to even go at the lower levels below Division One.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So when you're looking at all of the schools in the country, obviously, it ranges from Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, or even NAIA or junior college. But a fun fact I always like to throw out there, and you and I actually were talking about this earlier: 82% of Division Three athletes receive some sort of financial aid. It is not technically athletic scholarships, but Division Three schools are really willing to work with student athletes and students in general to get money in order to pay for their uh, their tuition. So don't, be, don't shy away from the Division 3s because they also have money in their pockets to kind of help you through that process as well.
0: LRT Sports is the company. They're new. They're a great resource for athletes and rating coaches and the whole process of it. Go to LRT-Sports.com. Uh, Kirsten just elaborate one more time if I am a parent if I am a high school athlete that's hearing us or a friend of the family that has one of these why do I want to visit this site and use what's at your disposal when you go to LRT Sports?
2: Yeah so we provide student athlete ratings on the college coaches so we have that firsthand information also we have the huddle which is our blog section where we talk to current and former professional athletes, uh, current college coaches, current and former college athletes. And, you know, we, these range from all divisions. So D1, D2, D3, and most notably what we talked about earlier was the misericordia coach. We also have interviews with the Holy cross coach, um, Ivy league coaches, and we even have tips on how to be a great basketball player and what the inside scoop is on, um, Club basketball and AAU and you know, the ever changing game of the recruiting process, especially for basketball because the new rules are changing in wake of everything that's been going on in the basketball world.
0: All right, so Kirsten, everybody wants to know, how do I find out more? I've been talking about the site, lrt-sports.com. What about socially? Where can they find you? Where can they find out more? Because especially the millennials, especially the teenagers, they're all over social media where we can where we can uh, uh, see and find out these things. We're always interested. So what about that? Tell me more.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we like to keep it simple. Everything, you can find us on all social uh LRT sports at LRT sports for everything. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, you name it. We're on everything. And for the parents, I know they love to be on LinkedIn a little bit more often. So we keep our LinkedIn extremely active for the parents to be in the the know-how of everything as well. So everything LRT sports.
0: Kirsten, great job. Good luck. Again, we're encouraging all the fans, don't get lost in the recruiting madness, right? They need to come to LRT Sports. Thank you.
2: Thanks so much. Have a good one.
1: The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog
0: Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. All right, we are back in here on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs with Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com. And again, uh, my thanks there to Jerry Palm, Talking Brackets. I know we've introduced a new sponsor with LRT Sports, Kirsten Sires, and a great job. With how they're using their website as a resource for prospective high school athletes in particular that are looking to sign with all of their different college programs and find out which is the best school or who's the best coach, the best match for them when they're looking at uh, at different schools and stuff. So, love talking to them. I'm going to call Kevin back in because we've got much to talk about for the Saturday college basketball. You and I have already taken some Thursday underdogs. We'll go back over that in a moment. Again, as I disclaim on this, you may already know as we head the weekend way how our Thursday underdogs did. We don't know the lines for the Saturday games uh, at the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday. But we do have a pretty good idea on some of these. And there's some very interesting matchups, Kevin. Michigan State-Indiana is a rematch of a game that Indiana won in overtime at East Lansing. Surprising win back about three, four weeks ago. Rematch coming at Assembly Hall after Indiana won earlier in the week uh, in double overtime against wisconsin Uh, kevin we believe michigan state is going to be favored here as the road team at indiana right very dangerous game because indiana's played better at home they beat michigan state earlier in the year michigan state trying to lock up big 10 title number one seed what about that game real quick
1: well, I'll bet my life that Michigan State will be favored. Don't um, say that. I, don't, I, don't, I want you I, away. I, I don't know that oh, no no, they'll be favored. I, I, I thought you were
0: gonna. Okay, okay. okay I got to. I got to calm down. I thought you were gonna say that Michigan State would win the game. I want you on the show. Oh no, next I week. don't know about
1: that. But but as far as, as if they're gonna be favored, I'll yeah. I, there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, they were favored at Iowa, uh, and right. Iowa's was a ten times better team than Indiana. So, uh, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, Indiana had a nice win over Wisconsin. They've hung. I mean, Indiana's been a, been a disaster, but they hung with Purdue at home. They hung with. Wisconsin obviously beat them, and uh, same thing with Ohio State. So, you know they're they're playing better at home, and you just wonder if this is gonna be the game that they get run because Michigan State remembers that they lost to Indiana in uh, in East Lansing. So that that's gonna be a tough one. But uh, you know, obviously the Hoosiers. At least the only silver lining is they have played better of late.
0: Yeah, no doubt uh, about that. And again, free throws. We talk about free throw awareness. Again, one of our sponsors uh, is the hashtag free throw awareness and the free throw awareness tease that we're going to be promoting all the time here throughout March Indiana is in the 300s, not good in foul shooting. So was Wisconsin. That was a brick fest Tuesday night in that double overtime game. Be very careful if this comes down to free throw shooting for Indiana because they're not very good uh, at the line. Uh, and just and one more on them. they They beat Wisconsin and that snapped their most recent five-game losing streak. They had a seven-game losing streak earlier this year in the Big Ten. Archie Miller is only in his second season here, who came from Dayton. Is he potentially in some trouble? I know he got a six- or seven-year contract, but this is Indiana. They can't be awful in his second year. I mean, he's going to get a third year maybe at the most, but they, they've got to be better than what they've shown Indiana, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a tough conference, you know, but 4-12, uh, and 5-12, whatever it is, is unacceptable for Indiana. But, uh, yeah, they've had a couple games go their way then that would have changed things, obviously. And, uh, you know, they just haven't had these games go their way. And and that's what's hurt them. And, and it's like anybody else, if you have some of those go your way, then maybe you end up being uh, a team closer to the tournament. But obviously now Indiana, you know, they have a lot of work to do going forward.
0: Yeah, you could have a rebuilding year or two uh, if you are – Uh, a second-tier program in the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, like we were talking about earlier. If you're at the brand names, if you're at Kentucky, if you're at UCLA, who fired Steve Alford earlier this year in the season in December after they've been in the NCAA tournament with Steve Alford a couple, three times – if you are a Kansas, if you are a Michigan State, a Syracuse, a Duke, a Carolina, I mean, look look how quickly Carolina earlier in this century ran Matt Doherty out, who was a former decorated player with Michael Jordan who won a national championship. They had an awful season or two, and they said that's it. Uh, of course, his personality and his antics didn't help him but they're not going to tolerate losing for a long time at Indiana, nor should they. So that's just my feelings on that. All right, so back to the Saturday games and a couple more. Kentucky rematch game at Tennessee in Knoxville. Kentucky won easily at home a couple of weekends ago, snapping Tennessee's 19-game win streak in the process. We believe Kentucky will be the favorite on the road here, The Tennessee will be a home underdog. Is that the projection here, Kevin, for that matchup on Saturday? Yeah, is
1: going to be favorite at this point is definitely going to be favored. I don't have any doubt about that. Just because they're a team that, uh, I mean, Kentucky has been obviously, you know, excellent up late. But I got to think that Tennessee's going to be favored here.
0: All right. So, again, the Volunteers back home uh, in this one have suffered a couple of losses, including the controversial loss last Saturday. Uh, to LSU. Revenge game for them. We will find out and uh, you know, we mentioned Wofford earlier in the program with Jerry Palm. Wofford unbeaten in the Southern Conference. That could be an at-large team. Could be a a bid-stealing team. Could be an at-large team if they don't win the Southern Conference tournament. If Furman or somebody else uh, wins it, Wofford is in action. They're a top 25 team against Lowly Samford, one of the last place teams in their conference uh, this weekend. Keep an eye on Houston with only one one loss in the American Conference playing UCF Saturday afternoon. Houston could be, how about this, Kevin? Houston could be as high as like a three seed. Right now, most of the bracket projections, including Jerry Palm at CBSSports.com, has Kelvin Sampson's team up around a three seed. Uh, so Houston, uh, again, American Conference tournament is looming in Memphis, though though they're looking good. All right, So again, they've got UCF in what could be a big game uh, for UCF. And uh, and then Utah State and Nevada, again, for Utah State, a resume builder. They host Nevada. Can they get an at-large bid out of the Mountain West? As I joked with Jerry Palm, could the Mountain West, Kevin Rogers, have maybe two or three teams and the Pac-12 only has one team if Washington wins out and gets the automatic bid? Might happen, Kevin Rogers. We don't know.
1: Yeah, it may happen. I mean, you never know how, how it all turns out with them, but uh... – but obviously, you know, the Mountain West have been very happy, and Nevada is a very good team. So, you know, that's another thing that they can get them to hopefully go forward in the tournament.
0: Yes, and I think I heard little Mr. Rogers there in the background cheering on those Utah State Aggies. Let's see if they can get that win on Saturday night. All right, so there we go with a little of the Saturday basketball again for the underdogs. Kevin has got Marshall and Washington State on Thursday night. Marshall at home with Louisiana Tech, Washington State on the road with Stanford. I will take the Green Bay Phoenix at home with the top team in the Horizon League, Wright State. Uh, I think Green Bay could pull the upset in that one. And I've got USC in the Crosstown Pac-12 showdown with UCLA on Thursday night. And we'll keep our eyes on Saturday. We also keep our eyes on VegasInsider.com. What a great resource your site is for everybody looking for information this time of the year for college basketball, March, and the NCAA tournament, and all other sports. Kevin, tell us us more about what you have there at VegasInsider.com.
1: Yeah, we're now transitioning into March. So obviously, you know, March Madness. The conference tournaments, the NCAA tournament's very big, NBA continues to roll on, so we have all of that uh, ongoing, and obviously baseball is not too far behind, so... We got that. So, in spite of no football, we still have plenty at VegasInsider.com.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. Follow them at Twit Vi on uh, on Twitter. Follow him at Vi Rogers, and follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Always love the insight of Kevin Rogers. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you for hopping on again. Here, we will talk again in the month of March. This is it for February. I appreciate the time. Good luck with the underdogs.
1: All right. Thank you so much.
0: There is Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, VegasInsider dot com, and even little. Uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, March Madness Rogers there in the background as well. My thanks also to Jerry Palm, CBS Sports, CBSSports.com, uh, breaking down the bracket and also introducing you to Kirsten Sires and LRT Sports. And for the high school athletes or if you're a parent of a high school athlete or friends and family that have a high school athlete looking to go to college on the scholarship, what schools, Division one, Division two, II, Division three. use them as a resource at LRT-Sports.com. Check them out. Uh, is there brand-new sponsors here as part of Three Dog Thursday. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the program. Again, whether you found the show through RadioInfluence.com, whether you found us through VegasInsider.com and their website, subscribe to the show, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and the show comes automatically to you uh, on your device as we head towards March. We also tell you that if you've got an Alexa, if you've got uh, an Echo Dot, Uh, You can also use the Three Dog Thursday Morning Minute as part of your flash briefing. Go to the Three Dog Thursday Morning Minute there on your flash briefing as well, and you get Three Dog Thursday all week long with some underdog analysis and insight from me in advance of the shows that are coming. That'll do it for this edition of the program. For Kevin Rogers, I'm T.J. Reeves. Enjoy all the hoops throughout the weekend. March is coming for Three Dog Thursday. Bye.
1: This is a Rush the Field Quick Fix on Radio Influence. And this week, we take a look at the burnt orange and white of the Texas Longhorns, UT Austin, Hook'em Horns. Okay, Hook'em, as Tom Herman would say, Chris, coming off a phenomenal season this year. We
0: thought that it would take maybe a year or two for Tom Herman to bring this program back to where, Longhorn fans felt that it should be and this season they might have been ahead of schedule but a really good season and the future does look incredibly
1: bright for this Texas Longhorns team
3: you know it does um he's recruiting well had some uh, some news in my notebook uh, this week the college football notebook uh, on injuryfootball.com he's really doing a good job recruiting and the the secondary he's losing a lot of guys but he's got one of the better safeties in the country coming back. And I'm not so sure even losing three members of the secondary that they may not even be better this coming year. This is a pretty good defense. It's the defense that impresses me the most of the big time programs in the big 12. Um, And as they kind of continue to develop their offense under Tom, this it's going to be interesting to see if they can continue to close the gap on, on Oklahoma. One of the great traditions, uh, tradition-rich programs of college football from Bevo to <laughs> Big Bertha to the Eyes of Texas to the Hook'em Horns to the Texas fight. And, you know, um, it's it certainly one of the great traditions.
1: Rush the Field with Scott Seidenberg and Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.